Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I want to point to you today to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. And verse 13. Brother David referred to this just a few minutes ago. This is my message for you today. Amen. I'm honored to be able to serve my gift to this body. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What is people saying about me as a person? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ preach from this countless times I'll probably do countless other times preaching from this and and my it's it's great not to just be staring at the camera and seeing your faces in the house of the Lord praise God but I want to talk to you today about the unchanging power of revelation the unchanging power of revelation thank you Lord today let's just lift up our hands one more time in this house and praise the Lord for his word God, we praise you today. We bless your name. Oh, great God of glory, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Last summer, the Lord began to impress upon my heart concerning our church that God was doing a shift at MPC. Matter of fact, July the 21st, on a Sunday morning service, I delivered a message entitled that, The Shift, The Shift. I went back and looked at some of my notes, and this is the statement that that I began that message with. MPC is in a shift. I believe what is happening now and what will happen in the near future is shaping us and transforming us into a people who are ready for a move of God. Ready for a move of God. Since that time, the seismic shift we have experienced has been much more than I anticipated. 
2020 launched with an intense focus on the Word. How many remember our 37 days of consecration was about the Word of God and the need for the foundation of the Word? 1 Peter 3.15 was our theme. We had scriptures on, on uh, canvas painted on the side that Sister Whitney did. 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope with meekness and fear. And so we talked about this book. We talked about the word of God. Nations have come and gone. The book remains. Kings have come and gone, but the book remains. Governments have risen and fallen, but the book remains. Pandemics have come and gone, but the book remains. Economies have risen and collapsed, but the book remains. I've had my ups and downs, but the book remains. Critics and skeptics have uh, fought against it and denied its authenticity and, in, and inspiration. But yet they have faded off the scene of history and become forgotten figures. But the book remains. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Mark that. The word liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which, which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. I, I know that there have been seasons that we have been in where we have been shaken and where our, our thoughts have been shaken. Well, it has changed some things. People have changed. Situations have changed. But the word remains. In considering our, our shift and what I felt like the Lord has been doing since the fall, I just went back, though, messages that I preached this year before the coronavirus came and we had to uh, go into our, our online service only. I preached a message February the 2nd the church on the move. I preached a message in February 23rd, the, this present distress in a changing world. In March 11, I preached not without the anointing. In February 8, I preached hearing his voice, learning to hear his voice. In March 10, we preached pursuing his presence, waiting for his power. Amen. I believe the Lord has put us in a place, not just because of the COVID-19 issue, but because what he was already doing and already working here at MPC. Amen. God has put us in the place where we are. God has put us as leaders, as people, as infinite youth that you heard about in a place where we can take now our, our commitment to shift. Not a shift that is related, related to COVID-19, but a shift that says I can change as soon as I have to when it comes to following the leading of the Lord. I want to be sensitive to his voice. Yeah. There's been a lot of shift and change related to COVID-19 when you find that the way people greet someone. I watched just yesterday, it was in Lowe's, and, and two men that evidently were friends met each other and hadn't seen each other for a while, and they, they did this number. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
How you doing? Good. Politics has pushed itself into uncharted waters. We now view washing our hands as something that is absolutely essential and sanitizer sales have jumped 73%. Stay at home order became a reality as public gatherings were mandated to stop. That was different. Schools closed. Boy, was that different. Right, kids? How many of you enjoyed it? Do I have any honest kids in the building today? Airports became ghost towns and stockpiling became the norm and, 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 and even toilet paper became a rare commodity. Fear and anxiety spread like an, 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 a, a California wildfire out of order. You see, the pundits and the experts and the specialists all spout their opinions about how things are going to change after this crisis is over. I want to tell you, nobody knows what is going to happen. But in this season, one thing I've seen is that institutions have changed. I have seen that the way people view life changes. The way government is operating, the way hospitals are operating, sporting events and, and news media and all these different things. But I want to remind you of one thing that has not changed. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the Word, made flesh, came to reveal to us the unchanging glory and majesty of God. A God that was disconnected from this world but Jesus came to reconnect us. He came to reestablish his kingdom in this earth. Revelation tells us that the kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Sounds like unchanging to me. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8 says, but unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is thy scepter of thy kingdom. Daniel prophesied about him and said in 7 and 14, and there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I want to tell you today, I don't care what happens with COVID, what happens to a government, what happens to politics, what happens to my job. There is a kingdom who has a kingdom that will never end. Let me share with you a couple other scriptures that verify this statement. We find Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us, we often hear this at Christmas, uh, but let me share with you again this great promise and prophecy. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then verse 7 says, and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end I don't care what you got where you've been who you're doing it with it doesn't matter what you're going through what you're over what you're under what's around you there is a God that said I will always be I will always be whatever they tell you don't believe in the world say we're all going down and that, that, that everything is falling apart 
If you needed coronavirus to tell you you're living in the end time, your head was in a basket somewhere. We're already in the end time. Malachi 3 and 6, the Lord said, For I'm the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad for the favor of the Lord? Amen. I've come to you today to talk about the unchanging power of revelation. The apostle Paul said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means that God breathed life into this book. He breathed life into this book. The Greek word for revealed found throughout most of the New Testament simply means something that has been uncovered. Something that has been uncovered. The idea of revelation is to call someone to fully know by removing the veil or the covering which would expose the full to full view what was previously hidden. And so when it comes to revelation, it is God showing us secrets. When I preach to you about the unchanged power of revelation I'm talking about those powerful moments when that which was hidden becomes a reality when that which I did not understand and was not clear becomes clear Colossians 1 26 it says even the mystery which have been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would have known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. There are, there are some revelations that will bring to you a powerful, unchanging impact. I want to talk about four of them from our text today. Number one is the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples whom do men say that I the son of man am and they begin to say you are one of the prophets or you're this or you're that but he looks at them and he says but who do you say that I am? You could talk about what grandma says. You can talk about grandpa and cousin Ed and, and Uncle Larry and you could talk about Aunt Sally and, and, and cousin Cheryl and you could talk about all of that to what they say but who do you say Jesus is. Not God's going to look at you and me one day and say, do you know who I am? What do you say about me? And he says, Peter's looked at him and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter plainly anoints, says that Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Notice what Jesus starts off with. He says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do people say that I'm a guy? I'm a man here. Who do they say that I am as a man? Well, you're one of the prophets. But he says to his disciples, who do you say? And something strikes Peter. What is it? Revelation. Because Jesus said flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you but my father all of a sudden God stepped into Peter's mind and uncovered the reality of who Jesus is it was definitely an aha moment when he just looked at the Lord and said I know who you are you 
you are the Christ, the anointed representative of God in this earth. Thou art the Christ. Amen. The great profession of Peter means that he and the other disciples believed that Jesus was the Hebrews Messiah. They believed he was their Messiah. Revelation, friend, does not come because you have commitment. Revelation doesn't come because you have intellect. There's a lot of people that can make a decision for Christ but have no revelation of Christ. And that decision will only carry them so far and then it will it will fizzle out. There are those that follow the Lord because they've got a commitment but they have never had a revelation of who he is. God's never revealed the depth of Christ and who he was. And so they follow him with commitment. Commitment is good but commitment won't keep you in the hour of corona and test because then it becomes easy to wrestle with your commitment but when you know who Jesus is it doesn't matter what comes your way it doesn't matter what happens because you can't that can't be taken from you that can't be altered from you you could lose your brain and your physical capacities but when you got revelation it goes deep Something powerful happens when who Jesus is comes to you by way of revelation. I grew up in this. My dad was a great teacher and preacher, but there came a day, Brother Jerry, I had to know who he was for myself. I had to have that moment where it'd be all of a sudden, I know who you are. You are a man God manifested in the flesh according to scripture. I see it now. I see it now. I see who you are. Praise be to God. I want to tell you today that we need to understand who Jesus is. Then, then, something troubling happens to me in verse 20 where Jesus said to his disciples in, in 16 and 20, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Looks like you'd want to blab it all over. Looks like Jesus was wanting everybody to say who he was. But if you notice the next thing is he begins to show him in verse 21. From that time forth Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests, scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. What is he saying? Don't tell it because it's not all the way energized yet. It has not come to the moment where the whole world can grasp who I am because they're going to see who I am when I rise from the grave. So in this story, there is an unchanging revelation of the mighty God in Christ. It will change your life when you see who Jesus is. I say it will change your life. The second revelation is the revelation of transformation. When Jesus and David mentioned this a while ago, where he said, he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, and flesh and blood and not revealed unto thee, but my Father was, is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And so he looks at Simon and he says, I know you think you're a stone. I know you think that you're something, but I want to tell you that you're really something else. There is a revelation that I want to talk to you about, and that is a revelation of 
transformation. That Peter was going to be something greater than he could even imagine. That Peter was going to be powerful. Amen. That he was going to be changed in his very DNA and his structure. That is something we cannot lose. When you get the revelation that the mighty God in Christ can transform me from this to that. From this to that. From a loser to a winner. To a drunk. To a shouter. From a druggie. Amen. To a delivered child of God. God. We've got to maintain that revelation. He is still the God of transformation. I look at you today and I see people after people that once were some of you. Some of you, your life was in shambles and messed up, but you understood who Jesus was. And then you got the revelation. I'm I'm changed. I'm changed and I'm transformed. Cool your jets. Jesus said, now don't tell anybody. And then he begins to tell them about the resurrection, him dying, being buried, and raising again the third day. And Peter says, the same character that had the revelation, the same character that had the revelation of the mighty God in Christ was the same one that said, not so, Lord. Uh Uh-uh. He said to Jesus, "Uh uh-uh. You know what Jesus said back? Look it up. He said it. Get behind me, Satan. So Peter goes from thou art the Christ to Christ saying, you're Peter. You're not Simon. You're Peter. Then to tell him, you the devil. I don't know, Brother Joe, that makes my mind kind of go, huh? How can you go from this? Because he had the promise of transformation, but not the absolute action of transformation. It's the same dude that cuts off the the servant of the high priest, cuts his ear off. Until you see the Lord proclaim him to be Peter, but he wasn't truly Peter until suddenly the Holy Ghost fell upon him in Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden the guy that was telling Jesus what's what is now saying Jesus is the great I. I am. Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. You see, the revelation of transformation sometimes does not come into action until you get the Holy Ghost. It takes the Holy Ghost to energize the transformation. He was still the same guy, still believed the same thing, but it wasn't until he was filled with the Holy Ghost that he was truly transformed. And then forever he was changed. An unchanging revelation to him. Let's go to the third. The third revelation in this story is perhaps the most prominent that I want to look at. And that is the revelation of an unstoppable church. An unstoppable movement. The key to understanding this and the weight of this scripture, you got to look at the whole Context. Remember, we talk about studying scripture. You need to know who it was, where they were, what are the verses around it, what's going on, how's the context, what's in the light of that context. Many times we read things and we read right over. When Jesus came, verse 13, into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples the question, whom do men say that I am? 
Caesarea Philippi is not the same as Caesarea on the Mediterranean Sea. Caesarea Philippi was the most northerly point that our Lord traveled. It was perhaps one of the most northerly points of Israel. The city was rebuilt by Herod Philip, who called it by his own name. Philip rebuilt it and, re and beautified the city and gave it the name of Caesarea Philippi to honor himself and Tiberius Caesar, the reigning emperor. But to distinguish it from other, the other Caesarea, he added that name of his own for his own fame. You see, this place, Caesarea Philippi, lays in the foot of the Mount Lebanon region towards the bottom of Mount Hermon next to the place where the sources of Jordan River began in the territory of Dan. It is some 120 miles north of Jerusalem and 25 miles north from Galilee. So Jesus takes his disciples from the rich religious area of Galilee and says, let's go on a, on a hike, a 25-mile hike. For us, that's not too bad to drive from here to Seymour. But how'd you like to walk it? Jesus takes his disciples on a 25-mile hike to get to them a place where they can get a revelation of who he was. In the Old Testament time, this northern eastern area of Israel became a center for Baal worship. In the nearby city of Dan, Israelite King Jeroboam built the high place that angered God and eventually led the Israelites to worshiping a false god. Years later, the Greeks conquered the area and replaced Bel Gad, the worship of the fortune god, with the pagan god Pan, P-A-N. The Romans came along later. There was a temple to Pan in Caesarea Philippi area. And the Romans came along later and added a temple to Augustus, to the worship of Augustus. The worship of Augustus was the Roman Caesar who first declared himself to be God and man. Augustus, stay with me just for a minute. The worship of Pan, the Greeks believed that Pan was born in the foot of a cave or the foot of the hill of Mount Hermon in a cave not far from Caesarea Philippi. They believed that's where Pan came from. At this time, the most important God in Caesarea Philippi at the time of Christ was the worship of Pan, the Greek God of shepherds and the Greek God of the wild. Pan is pictured and depicted that its hind parts of a leg of a goat is his bottom and he has a human head with the horns of a goat. He plays a, a, a musical instrument. That's where we get the word pan flute. The Greeks believed that Pan was born in a cave near the bottom of Mount Hermon. Pan is often associated with music and fertility. Each spring, the people of Caesarea Philippi engaged in a wicked worship, deeds that were so awful that it's not nice to talk about in polite company. Prostitutes, bestiality, where they worshiped goats and they 
sacrifice goats. During this time, they would take goats and they would take those goats and toss them into that cave. The cave was fed with water, swirling waters that as the snow melts from Mount Hermon and comes down into that cave, the waters would be swirling and they would take those goats and blood would begin to mingle with the water. Some even would sacrifice their own children to the God of Pan. Horrible scene. The swirling waters became blood red because of their sacrifices. This is where Jesus is standing. If you notice, it says on the coast or the outskirts of Caesarea Philippi. I believe Jesus took them right in the middle because in one place is the temple to Augustus. In another place is the temple of Pan that's covering the cave where they're offering sacrifice. Over here is the temple of the dancing goats. And they had all this worship going on. And Jesus goes on an excursion with his disciples and takes them 25 miles from sane religious folk and he says I want to ask you who do men say that I am I believe he's looking at his disciples or seeing Augustus temple the one that says that he is the man God and all of a sudden everything begins to look at in perspective he looks at the, the pan the worship of the pan God and he looks at them and he says who do you say that I am you see this was not just some taut little thing going on this was an object lesson from glory amen because do you know what they pagans called the cave they believe that that cave is where the underworld the beings of the underworld begin to come out that that all these things pan was not a good god he was a evil god he was a wicked god he would play his pipe and, and lead the children into ruin that's what they believed do you know what those pagans said this is the place of the underworld and you can look up the the, the place still today it is now a, a park that you can visit and in the bottom of mount Hermon, there in a massive rock cut out of that rock is this cave and they called it the gates of hell so here's Jesus in front of the temple Augustus, the man that said he was God and man. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Here's Jesus in front of the most wicked place you can imagine. And he says, who do you say that I am? And when the revelation comes out, it's not Augustus. It's not Pan. It's not this world. He could have done this in, Reve in, in Jerusalem. He could have done this in Galilee. He could have done this in Nineveh. And we would have thought nothing out of it. But Jesus took them to the most wicked place of Israel and he said who do you say that I am and they said because you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus said upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it what was he saying I don't care what comes out of that mouth I don't care about pan I don't care about Augustus it matters not what evil you face there is one that is greater than every evil. Here's my point to you today is that when the Lord founded his church and he created his church, he said I don't know what's coming or I know, I know things are coming. I don't know what's coming. He knows what's coming but it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean a hill of beans. If you're facing some of those wicked, vile things in all this world, the Lord said I got a church. I got a church that's greater than Pan. I got a church is greater than Augustus. I got a church that's greater than Baal Gad. I got a church that's greater than cancer. Yeah. 
I said, I got a church. Let me sidestep just for a minute. It takes the same kind of faith to take you through it as it does to see you healed of it. Don't you ever let the devil rack your brain because of that. Amen. There is still a God. Hallelujah. And he's got a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. The fourth revelation is one that has at times puzzled me in interpreting the text and seeing the text. Matthew 16, 19. He says to Peter, I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now we read that in English. And it sounds like, whatever I want him, God's going to do it now. I'm prayed, name it, grab it, blab it here. And he's going to do that there. I'm going to bind it here. And he's going to bind it there. I'm going to loose it here. He's going to loose it there. Well, to all my Greek scholars, I apologize if I butcher this up. But when it says whatever is bound on earth, the verb, you see, Greek verbs are not like our verbs where we just have a verb, it's action. Gun. <laughs> Greeks have tenses and all that kind of junk, and it can be broken down in multiple ways. To understand what is being said, you have to look at the tense of the verb. The verb, when we bind on earth, is an active tense. That means it is ongoing. That's our responsibility. Whatever we bind on earth is that we can continue to bind it we continue to do it in this present time but the greek word bound in action that occurred in the past but which produced a state of being or result that exists in the present i hope you get this today when i read that revelation hit me about that verse is that what i bind is that what he has already bound what I bind is what he has already bound. If he's already bound it, Brother Matt, it means that it has already happened. So everything that I bind according to what he has already bound in his word, he's saying though it happened in past, you do it in the present. Whatever I loose in the present has to be related to what he has loosed in the past. So I got to know what he's loosed in the past when he says, uh, you're going to tread on serpents and scorpions. I want to tell you, there's not a devil that ought to come up in front of us that which we don't think I can bind this joker. I can bind him in the precious name of Jesus because he's already bound him. He's already bound him in the past. So I can bind him in the present. Uh, oh, he's for me. He's with me. And when I'm crying, when I'm rejoicing in my going, what are you singing? What are you singing? What he's loosed in the past. In Deuteronomy 28, I take the promises of Abraham spiritually and I'm going to adopt them to me. I'm going to pray it. Sister Ruth, that's why you can pray and declare and say, I bind it in Jesus' name or I loose it in Jesus' name. It's not that I get to pick and choose things that make me feel better or cause I want it to be that, but God, I take you at your word. I claim healing and I'm going to believe it right now because you said you're the healer. 
But what if he don't? First of all, he's God, he's sovereign, he can act as he will. Again, but I'll believe till I'm healed in his presence. He's already bounded. God builds his church. He builds the churches. Something we've learned in this particular time is that the church is not this building. It is you, his people. Stand with me, please. Those disciples before Pentecost cast out devils, healed people, did some amazing things because they were commissioned and anointed by God. But it was after Pentecost that they became a force that did greater works than Jesus in just sure volume and number. And so the early church, the New Testament church, became a force to be reckoned with. Why? Because they understood revelation is better than education. Those educated people, religious people, looked at them and said, these are ignorant and unlearned men. That's what he called them. They are ignorant and unlearned. But we've recognized they have been with Jesus. There are those of you right now that are teetering over, should I do this? Should I not do that? Should I follow the Lord? Should I not follow the Lord? Why don't you begin to pray instead of, Lord, just let me learn this, to pray, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set